coming up on another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. We are wrapping up another weekend in the A-League Men. Um, and our deep dive topics today, we're talking about the unpredictability of the A-League at the moment because absolutely a couple of shock results on the weekend for sure. Talking a little bit about Western United and their struggles at the moment under John Aloisi and then also looking at MacArthur, a team that we haven't spoken about yet and they had a very interesting result uh, against Melbourne City on Sunday as well. Then we're going to talk about uh, some of the other games and also um, our questions that we have for when the league returns after the international break. So another bumper episode and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast and uh, another fantastic weekend of A-League Men action, 20 goals. Sydney begin the Ufitale era in style as Adelaide get their pants pulled down at home. The Knicks still a point in Melbourne with zero XG, yes, zero XG and no shots on goal. Western slumped to a third straight defeat. Sydney and MacArthur trade six goals in a crazy second half. And the Roar and Mariners thought it was best to play 10v10 instead of 11v11 in Gosford. So here to break it all down with me this week is only two uh, guests joining me, only three of us tonight. It is Antonis Pagonis and Jake Holub. Boys, Antonis, why don't I start with you? How's uh, how's things? How was the weekend for you? Not great, but yes. Good to be back on here. Needed to come back on after I heard some extreme attacks on my character in this last podcast. So I had to come but, but, and but, but true ground, attacks, right? ground a few people. So continue, please. I think I think they were pretty truthful attacks, though, about your nah. character. Uh-huh. No? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what the oppressors always say. Mm, mm, the oppressors. <laughs> Oppressor. Not, not sure about that one. Oppressor. <laughs> Right, it's getting real personal now. All right, uh, <laughs> Jake, what about you? How how are you doing? Oh man, I'm good. Um, I spent the weekend down at the beach, quite relaxing. Sort of watched the the A League, you know, chilled, no work or anything. It's it, it's it's been a very enjoyable week, and we've seen again just some peak A League moments with just all of a sudden Sydney FC. Well, we'll talk about it later, obviously, but Sydney FC just remembering how to play football, and I, I it just I I love this league, man. That's all I can say. Just this opening. This is truly the best league in the world. Like, unbelievable. So, peak beach league? <laughs> uh, it would be if Melbourne City played Patrick Beach. Up and coming one, though. Exactly. <laughs> after, after we get the youth league back up and running, the next league, the AKL should bring in is a beach football league. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah clip, clip that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, Seems like Jake and Antonis both had uh, contrasting uh, contrasting weekends. Let's let's put it that way. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I had a I had a decent weekend. Whatever. Uh, who cares? I'm just an oppressor, so you know it doesn't matter about my about my weekend. All right, let's move on. Um, firstly, we'll start with we'll start with our talking points uh, from the weekend. Then I actually do just because it was such a crazy result. I do think we should do ten minutes on that Adelaide Sydney game. 
um, just to start off with before we deep dive into uh, into our three different topics um, for for tonight. So first of all, Antonis, I'll start with you. Three talking points from the weekend. I'm pretty sure I can guess one of them, but what are the other two? Yeah, look, I'm not going to take him aside. You're thinking I'm taking. I've just gone with where has this Sydney been? That's my first point. My second point is a lack of a killer instinct by Melbourne Victory for a second consecutive week and the lack of creation Western United for a second consecutive week. So there's Melbourne sides misfiring. And then number three, I've got just very interesting that we enter this break after a month in the season with only a single point separating first to sixth. Everyone is separated by one point in the top six, which I find very fascinating. Jake? Yes. So my first one is, again, victory failing to convert with their promising attacking players. You have a lot of great quality there. Nishan Valupale, Daniel Arzani. And if you watch them play, it is absolutely lovely. You know, some of the interplays in Mashash as well. Lovely. Oh, it's lovely. It, it's, it's, some of it is really, really good football. Like it's, it's not been seen in the victory for a while. Like some actual flair going on in the attack. People look like they're enjoying themselves, but at the end of the day, they're just not, they're not converting. They're not scoring enough goals. You know, they only got the one and then obviously conceding to a Wellington team. They didn't even manage to score, uh, take a shot, uh, which is pretty unbelievable. That's just, that's honestly just peak victory at the moment. Just like, <laughs> just very like 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 in terms of xg underperformance they are just absolute kings in that i know like what we're not going to talk about them in depth tonight but just like at what point does it become like you know when you just keep underperforming your xg it's like maybe this is who you are like i don't know it's a bit it's a bit weird but i've been the brighton football not, club in england for a few years yeah it, true true uh, like we're not gonna open the can of worms but it's just like wow um all right what about me uh so that was just one of my points. Oh, crap. <laughs> Jesus, he's, he's just had enough Oppressor. of it. Like, oh, that's enough. All right, you know, I'll, I'll quickly fly through it because I did take a while. Hey, last time. week, last week, I actually forgot to do my big question. And you know, it was actually a decent one too. Um, but anyway, Jake, my apologies. Uh, yes, your your other I'll, point. And after this, I'll let you get your point you didn't get last week. So we can hear that. But, uh, so my second one was Ufuk Tale's training must have consisted of sitting the team down, in particular Joe Lolly, and showing them the highlights of their Australia Cup run because like they've just remembered, oh, wait, we're actually like a, we can actually play some decent football. We're a functional we've got football really, team. Really good yeah. players, especially Joe Lolly. What a performance. Two goals, two assists. Killed uh, Adelaide, especially that. You love Joe Lolly. You love Joe him. Joe Lolly. What a footballer. I, I, I did tip him for uh, the. The Johnny Warren, but uh, look, uh, we'll see, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, that's enough for day. Mm. Um, and then my final point is Melbourne City again, just poor. Like, got the got the result in the end, got the sort of the one point to come away with it. But they got very, very lucky. I think considering just the just, I don't even know what it was from MacArthur down there. Like Jonathan Asprodamid is just mm. no, unbelievable. It, yeah, <laughs> interesting because um. That's that's one of the teams we're going to discuss tonight. Um, and I've literally written down as one of my points. What is MacArthur? That's actually like one of my points because I don't know, I don't know what to make of them at the moment. Um, and I don't know if they're like good, if they're unreliable, if they're top six material. Like, I just can't really put a finger on it. So that's one of my points because, like you say, that second half was just crazy. Everything happens, but. Really, MacArthur looked like they were coasting the three points, and then you just have a crazy ten minutes, which kind of gives you a reality check about what you think about them. So there was that. 
um, you know, a couple of events I didn't mention it, but Adelaide's reality check, um, you know, <laughs> has, has to be mentioned. Uh, and for me, it was going to come at some stage. So, uh, I mean, maybe not in that fashion. And we'll, we'll talk about it in a sec, but, um, yeah, a, a huge reality check against Sydney. Um, and then it has to be Western United. I watched that game against Newcastle and again, another team we are going to discuss later, but my word, um, really, really, um, toothless. Yeah. Is, is definitely the word to describe them at the moment with all the talent that they have as well. So, all right, let's, let's do 10 minutes on Adelaide and Sydney. Um, and you know, I'm going to Antonis first. So, I just said reality check. Is that uh, is that along the lines of your thinking as well? For Adelaide, is it? Yeah, it's absolutely a reality check for Adelaide, and you can argue it's overdue. I made a comment halfway through the game that Adelaide probably conceded the goals should concede the week before mm-hmm. against Sydney because they were very very fortunate against Melbourne victory. But yeah, it's absolutely a reality check, and it's just what you're going to be with a young team, probably not this extreme, but you're going to be an up-and-down team and you're going to need players to stand up when things go tough. So stay tuned about that because I'm sure you have something to read about the next couple of days. But yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah. Um, I actually, I asked um, Carl Viet about that. Like, are you kind of expecting erratic form with such a young team? Um, and as he usually does, he didn't really kind of, um, he answered it, but you know, He's kind of said, look, yeah. they're young players and, and, and this is kind of going to happen. But I mean, like that, I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, because I, when I asked him about who's going to stand up to support these players during those erratic periods, who are your experienced players who you expect to stand up? And he pulled away from that too. And so I'd say team effort, everyone needs to stand up. But yeah, it's, it's all fine and well to say that, but. When the push comes to shove and Joe Lolly scored two in 40 minutes, someone actually has to do it. And yeah, big cross for that first time. Well, big, well, speaking of Joe, Joe Lolly's direct opponent, Ryan Kiddo, um, you know, definitely a night to forget, uh, for him. That's for sure. And, um, you can read my analysis of, of Adelaide anyway in this game, um, because defensively, just an utter shambles. Um, there's, there's literally no other way to put it. Um, the what was interesting, Ufuk Tale mentioned it was an interesting comment where he was talking about he, he was describing what Adelaide are, what they like to do, and he talked about how Adelaide you know love transition. Um, and and that's it's very that's very noticeable, of course, if you watch Adelaide under Carl Viet, uh, really throughout the time that he's been there. And really, Sydney's ability to nullify that was was very impressive, and it came from their press. Adelaide were completely in sixes and sevens playing out from the back. There was one occasion, I didn't mention it in the article, but it was about the 40th minute. Twice in a minute, Alex Popovich was on the ball playing out and he literally just lofted the ball into the middle of the pitch because he had he had nothing on and he had no idea what to do and he just got picked off. Um, so credit to Sydney, who we will talk about in a second a bit more, for, for getting like, their distances right between their lines. This was what Talley mentioned. I thought he was spot on about how Bratton and Caceres had that license to really go and press and, and win the ball high. Um, and, you know, they, yeah, I think they really showed a blueprint there to how you can really nullify Adelaide playing out. Um, and they had no answers. And also, the other thing was the lack of protection of the back four uh, from an Adelaide perspective on 
these long balls as well that were going to Fabio Gomez. Sydney would change it up every now and then. And ball just goes to ground and you're just thinking, okay, where's the six? Where's the eights? Who's going to pick up the second ball? No one's there. And Sydney just went from there. Um, that's how they got the fourth goal with Kaczarski, the nice finish there. Uh, and actually, no, both of Kaczarski's goals, uh, my bad, kind of stemmed from that sort of situation. Tough game for Alex Popovich, has to be said as well. Um, but yeah, not, uh, not a good night at the office for Carl Veert. Um, Sydney though, uh, a lot, a lot of positives to take for them, Jake. Um, what, what was different for you? Was it just like they, they seem to play with more aggression. Was there anything really different to what we saw maybe tactically under Corriga in, in game one under Talley? I'd say the main thing is maybe the way they pressed and their formation a little bit. Obviously, we've seen them sort of operate with that 4-4-2 hmm. sort of, you know, recently, but but they, they've maybe gone for more of a 4-2-3-1 with, you know, for example, Burgess or Casillas playing a little bit deeper. Today, it was more of a sort of two with Kaczarski and Gomez. Kaczarski's more so like that, sort of playing off him with you know, Gomez being the big striker. So I thought they did very well with that. I think Gomez, I think he's probably struggled a little bit sort of to start this season, but I think he really found himself today. Some some of the passing as well from him was really impressive. Win some good balls. Kachowski just looked very, very hungry to prove a point. How good was Kachowski? Hmm? How good was Kachowski? Oh, um, unbelievable. It just, it, 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 like, I, I think, I think you posted on our, on our socials where it's like under Steve Corica, he's played. I did not do that. That was obviously Ian Pulzinski because, oh, sorry, Ian. because, oh, yeah, because of, of Jaden Kuchowski's Polish background. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. But, but he made a very, very good point where, oh, yeah, under Corica, you know, I don't think he scored at all, barely got minutes. Yeah. You know, the first game, you know, in under Talley gets a start and just, wow, unbelievable performance. Joe Lurley, I touched on him before when he's on it, like, it's very, very, very hard to stop him. So it's, yes, it was a poor performance from Adelaide. I think there's a lot of questions to be asked, especially about the lack of experience, you know, missing, you know, Harvey Lopez due to injury. Isoyas was just an unused sub, which... You know, he was sore. So he was sore, is okay. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, because I was very surprised for him to yep. you know, not come on there. Yep. But, um, yeah, but so, so obviously, yeah, Adelaide were, you know, a bit dodgy, not very good at all, but... I think a lot of props are going to be given to Sydney because they scored those two early goals there, and from then on, he just they just controlled the game. They didn't give Adelaide any real chance to get back into the game. So fair play to Tally, like to come in your first game and do that was very very impressive. Yeah, and yeah. just yeah. talking okay. about um, that inexperience, you when the game was there to be won, Adelaide's got on the pitch Ibusuki, Halloran, Clough. Tannercliffe. Well, those are four experienced players. So for me, the point I'm making is that group needs to be a lot better, not just for their football and their pitch during those moments, but to actually calm down the players around them, to direct them to be better at managing that situation. I did not see personally in our first half. I think Zach Clark had a much better second half. But in our first half, I saw none of that. And it's like a... That a snowball effect. You know, it starts and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and suddenly the game's 4-0 and it's absolutely lost. And you can analyze the second half all you want, but it's meaningless. I did not analyze anything when the team's 4-0 down. You know, it's done. No I one... Did, oh, congratulations. <laughs> but second half, Sydney's there to see it out. Adelaide shell shock. They've made three subs. Carl Veer showed us. I know he mentioned in the post-match press conference that oh, he could have just substituted anyone, but it's it's very telling that he substituted three of his four experienced players on the pitch at halftime. It shows you 
how he felt about it, even though he won't say it publicly. There's much more that you can substitute. It, for me, it was a very direct point and a very strong message because they didn't really offer much in our first half and the game was really over before it started. Yeah, the only thing I said was with the second half, maybe there was a little solution there offered as a plan B for Adelaide moving forward where they changed to to build up with three. They dropped the six in between the centre-backs with Duzel. Um, but maybe you could also say Sydney just dropped off with their pressure because they... Yeah, yeah exactly. Because so it's, it's there's, there's, there's arguments there. So um, what I would say is it's a bit hard for someone like Hiroshi Ibisuki to be a leader if you're not performing yourself. Um, and yeah, yeah, no. Uh, can I just I know, say... I know, uh, we, I know we discussed no, off air, but... Yeah, I know. I'm yeah. not talking just about the football side of things. I am talking about you're at home, you're coming off the high of this first month of football, suddenly you get punched in the face twice by Sydney in the first 15 minutes. Who's there to calm these kids down? Who's there to direct them? If something's going on, to say, give me the ball, do this to get out of it. Because I saw none of that. I just saw things get progressively worse and the game was gone. So, yeah, even if you're not performing per se, as a senior player, you need to be a bit better when you know you've got a team full of 17, 18, 19-year-olds who have only played a handful of A-League games. But again, same stage I'm talking about, not just Ibusuki, a Halloran, a Kito, a Tanacliff, all who I didn't really think much of during the game. Like I said, Clough played an all right second half, but in our first half, pretty anonymous as well. All right, let's uh, get into our first uh, deep dive of the pod. Um, so. We're not going to start with a team. We're going to start with a trend, sort of. I mean, this is something we're going to try and do is uh, look a bit more league-wide as well. So, Antonis mentioned in one of his points, um, and it's very pertinent, and that's that there's one point separating first to six at the moment in the league. Um, and even after four rounds, we've only got one team that hasn't won yet. So, everyone's at least had some slice of the pie to look at it from that perspective. And you could even say, like, there's only five points between first and 11th, for example. Like, that's pretty tight. That's, you know, two wins. So, it's very, very tight. Um, And we've got, you know, four teams undefeated. There's only, what, uh, five teams who have lost more than a game as well. So, yeah, it's it's all very tight. It's all very unpredictable, which kind of gets to my point. Why? Are we seeing such an unpredictable league at the moment? Is it just because it's earlier on the season and that's just the way it is? Or is it something deeper? Uh, Jake, I'll start with you. That's a great question. And uh, honestly, I, I can't necessarily give an answer to you. Like, 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 how can you predict, you know, Melbourne City, for example, to go their first, you know, was it two games, um, you know, beaten and then immediately sack their coach, replace it? It's just like, I don't think anyone really expected this to happen. Um, I, I, I would also say, at the end of the day, the way that our league does function with the salary cap, it obviously does make this stuff more potent, more, you know, sort of, you know, believable to happen. You know, we see every single season, you know, um, there'll be a different team that succeeds, you know, Central Coast. There's no chance that they really do that in other leagues. So that's, I think, you know, sort of what's great about our league in that sense with the salary cap. Uh, I think a lot I would, of people have opposition to that, but. Yeah. I reckon. Uh, I reckon I was kind of getting more at like the the erratic nature of the results. So it's like one week this team does this, next week like do you, do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well. 
I, I, I'd say with City and Sydney, obviously they had tough starts with their coaches who they already had huge question marks obviously going into the season. So I guess with them, just that naturally a new manager bounce, I think it's a, a, a wide phenomenon ultimately. But, uh, but I'd say else, otherwise, I, I don't know. Like well, Central Coast again, new coach coming in there. They haven't really figured that out. They've you know lost all their games. And then apart from that, I, I think other teams have been relatively consistent. Newcastle Jets, for example, I think, yes, this was their first win, but they've pretty consistently, I think, put in some good performances, showed a lot of promise. But obviously, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but I'd say Western United's one there where they had a good result, yeah. obviously, maybe against a questionable team mm. at the time with Melbourne City. So I think looking back on that, maybe it's not as impressive of a win. But yeah, now, was that three three losses in a row? I don't think they scored any goals in those. Like, no, no. So there's there's two teams that you mentioned where their erratic results are kind of down to a new manager bounce, which is true with, with City and Sydney. So that's fair enough. Adelaide, we just spoke about where we talk, we speak about this, this youth, um, focus and, and the reality of that leading to an erratic kind of side. But you mentioned two teams there, which are really interesting, which is actually, well, you mentioned Western. The other team I was thinking was Brisbane. So you've really got the two Aloisi boys. Um, and their team's kind of been quite erratic because Brisbane, you know, you go off Great Australia Cup run, thrash Sydney at home, and then I know they did win today. We're recording this, uh, and they've just beaten the Mariners, but it wasn't really the same Brisbane that we saw against Sydney FC. And then, of course, they got smashed against Wellington. I mean, they 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 thrashed Sydney three nil. Week later, they get thrashed by three goals. You know what I mean? So, and then you've got Western, who's you're right, Jake. Great result first up. You're thinking, all right, Pena, like, you know, there's something here for sure with, with this team to really get back to where they were when they won the championship. And then you go from winning at City to losing 5-0, right? Like, there just seems to be this kind of constant sort of, you know, great result followed by, you know, massive underperformance. Um, you know, even, even victory to an extent, you could say two really, like, Good results to start off with. Obviously, the Sydney game was is probably their best performance so far in the opener. Then they beat Newcastle, but it was more like the kind of wow factor of it, scoring five goals. And then really the next two games, all of a sudden they've gone from scoring five and being clinical to underperforming with their XG. So you can't really predict the trends of this of these te- uh, of these teams yet. Which I don't know, Antonis. I don't know if that's a new thing or if it's something the A League's always had. Maybe with teams always being kind of erratic with with trends or do we think we should know maybe by round four more about how these teams are going to kind of play out come the end of the season? Yeah, look, it, it is usually erratic, not to this extent, but I've got two things and they're pretty, yeah. they're interconnected. I do think because of recent successes of clubs like Adelaide, Central Coast, I think a lot of the competition has gotten younger and with younger players, you get a lot of that. going to be one of my points here. Yeah, sure. yep. that's one. But the other thing is, look at the teams in our league and tell me which teams are not like fundamentally different than what they were last year, be in personnel, be it in approach, be it in coach. You can talk about, I'll go through one by one quickly. Wanderers, different personnel, they'll win victory. Completely different approach, new personnel. Wellington, new coach, different way of going about. MacArthur, new personnel, have gone for complete youth. Um, Adelaide United have gotten much younger. Brisbane, we've talked about Ross. Newcastle, new coach, new way to go about it. Same with Perth. 
Melbourne City. God knows what's happening there, but it's not the Melbourne City we've seen of recent years. Sydney FC, we've discussed pretty much what's been happening now with Talley taking over, and he looks to be adopting that youth philosophy. West United, new look team, and we spoke about the struggles early in this year, and obviously Central Coast have had mass change, new coach. So I feel like the majority of this competition is fundamentally changing or the way they go about it, be it the personnel, their tactics, their age profile as well. And this is where you get a lot of this randomness, really, because this competition is still figuring out who everyone is. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. The other thing I was going to say is you look across the board, I think, I want to say more than ever, but it feels like we've got a lot more teams that actually want to play and actually try and score goals. You, you know, like you look at, you could say, okay, Wellington, um, maybe Perth, but oh, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Perth out. Really, Wellington's probably the only team so far where you, you would say like they're, they're, they're fundamentally defensive as a team. Like that's, that's their identity and they embrace that. You could also say the Wanderers victory, Perth, because we know what Stadich can be about sometimes. And even Western with Aloisi and how they won the championship. Those four teams can, can kind of delve into that side of the game and you roll their sleeves up and kind of park the bus a little bit. But fundamentally, I mean, look at the amount of teams that are actually trying to play football and actually, you know, having success with it too. Adelaide, Brisbane, Newcastle, uh, Melbourne City, even with, for their struggles. We know Melbourne City are always going to try and be on the front foot. Um, Sydney, we just saw score five goals. We know they're capable of doing that. The Mariners, even though they've lost all four games, are obviously still going to be positive, and we know Mark Jackson, that's what he wants to do. So I think that's a really interesting thing as well, where more often than not, we're going to see matchups where both teams are going to go for it. So more than likely, yeah, you're going to see N10 games. It's a competition that doesn't punish you, though, for it. So why wouldn't you? You know, yeah. you if especially if you're a, and usually those things go hand in hand. You know, if you're going really youth heavy, you want them to express themselves. So you play in a way that allows them to do that, and that's when you get things like that. But why not? You know, if you can sneak into the six, you are a win away from playing off from a grand final spot. It's a competition that doesn't punish you for learning curves. You know, you can have even last year. Central Coast had, I think I remember when I spoke to Ezio Mormele, he said we had these 48 days from hell or something like that he described it as, that just the result wouldn't fall their way. And still, they just got together at the right time and the rest is history. This competition does not punish you, so you can go out and risk. Ross can go and lose by concede five goals in Wellington and come back and say, all right, I wasn't happy with that. We need to remain and play our game style. And gone and still have a fantastic season. Adelaide can lose five by five goals at home, take the international break, and then go and get a positive result against Western United. The first game back, no problem. You just have to back yourself because I feel the teams that struggle in this league are the teams that don't know who they are. Yeah, and I was just having a look. Half the league is actually averaging two goals or more a game right now. Uh, just as a quick little stat. So, and even MacArthur's seven goals in four games. So, have they had scored, you know, one more today than they'd be in that mix too? Um, interesting, interestingly, you've got obviously the four bottom teams are the, are the four teams you have. And I mean, Melbourne City actually aren't in that group. And you think, oh my God, like Melbourne City, look at all the quality they have in attacking areas. And, and they're not. And, and obviously, 
Uh, yeah, and they scored three today. And then Sydney, obviously, as we know, were on zero goals after three games. They scored all five, of course, in their fourth game. So um, interesting stuff indeed. Um, and, you know, even the teams near the top are conceding goals too. I mean, victory for Tony Popovich's reputation as being, you know, a pretty solid kind of manager when it comes to the defensive side of the game. They still conceded five goals in, you know, it's only four games. But, you know, I think knowing his standards, they probably wouldn't want to concede, you know, less. So, yeah, it's just, um, yeah. How personally do you think Tony Popovich has taken conceding a goal from zero XG and losing two points from that game? Because it feels like a personal attack to his existence as a football coach, to be honest. (laughs) I don't know, like, what do you, what do you, what do you think he said to the players after the game after <laughs> after that, Jake? Well, no, no, no. Actually, you know, what? I'll rephrase. When they're going through the tape, like they they're going like he's going through with all these analytics guys, like in the next couple of days, like all right, and they're just saying to him, like, listen, like I don't really know how we kind of analyze this game from us defensively because like they did nothing. <laughs> And, and the funny thing is as well, like when you take into the fact that the, the penalty for Nicholas Pennington that they actually didn't end up calling, like that, like arguably they could have like lost. Like if if they can see that goal, if they can see that, you know, you know what's even funny about that? Had they got the penalty and scored, they actually would have been bummed up to like zero point eight. <laughs> it's, it, it, it was just such a bizarre game. Like like honestly, I don't even really know what to say. Like like how many games in history has that happened where it's just zero xg and they've and, yeah they've scored. And managed to not lose. Like, that's unbelievable. All right. My next kind of question around this is do we feel, because if, if we remember as well, at the end of last season, and even you can go back and have a look at the table last season, that, that kind of, um, competition for the last final spots was extremely tight. And it feels like that's kind of carrying over a little bit here too. Apart from that though, near the top, we had a bit more distance and the team started to separate. Do we feel like eventually, you know, Wanderers, Victory, um, really probably the only two teams maybe we could say right now, we could guarantee that they're going to maybe um, pull away, I guess. But, I mean, even, you know, I can't say that for sure because Victory, you know, with 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 the way they're underperforming and not taking their chances, like I'm not sure if that's going to stop. But, you know, do we feel like, it's going to pan out similarly where teams will pull away or do we actually think there's going to be a really tight gap between first and sixth, just like it is now? I think it's going to be a tighter gap than last mm. year because of all this erratic nature that you mentioned about before. I do think that you see one or two teams not have a huge gap, but like an extra game or two than the pack. And the pack's going to have about seven, eight teams they're competing for about four spots, I reckon. And it's going to be decided, I reckon, in the last couple of weeks on the competition. But it's, you know, it's it's a two-week league, you know, like two positive weeks have you on top of the world and people making grand final predictions and then two negative results have you being spoken about and they got one spoon conversations for the majority of the teams, this is true. So it's just one of those leagues. So... You have to ride the waves. There's this saying, and I think we've talked about it before, Christian, you're never as high as your wins are and you're never mm. as low as your losses are. You're usually somewhere in the that's middle. A, um, no, that's a uh, that's an interesting one because that's something that um, I know Gary Neville, when he talks about the Premier League, that's something that he says a lot. Like, it's never as good as you think. It's never as bad as you think. And I think that's yeah. going to be very relevant for the A-League this year. Yeah. 
look but at that's this the thing like the majority yeah. of these teams are in that spot and it's it's like a rat race you know you're oh i'm top this week i'm top this week and then one week just ends and there's another little tournament and they just knock out each other <laughs> it's a very stupid way to describe it but <laughs> it's what it boils down to isn't it for uh for, for the record um jack jack is not He's not on this podcast for other reasons, not because uh, you know, I, I decided to I decided to omit him after his take uh, about about the original rivalry last week. Um I'm looking back at last season's table and it was very you know, you got from sixth to twelfth was three wins, the gap, two wins from seventh to twelfth. So really that bottom half was completely extremely tight. So if I if I had to make my own maybe bold prediction about this season, you look at Last year, from second to eighth was 14 points. So the Mariners have 44. Brisbane were in eighth with 30. I could see that that gap honestly being 10 points or slightly less. I I, like, I think that's how tight it could be. Or the gap from like third to eighth being, yeah, less than 10 points, maybe five to 10 points, you know, um, which is actually going to make it, you know, you think if that does actually transpire, those last like three weeks of the season are going to be insane. Like, because every game's going to matter, which, you know, we, which we've always wanted, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Antonis, you were going to add something. I just, I always boils down to me for this. I just think, who's the worst team in this league? Forget the table for you. Who's the worst, who's the worst team in this league? Right now, but that's the point. No one can say yeah, who's yeah, the worst exactly, team. Exactly. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. Don't worry about the table. You go in here and who's the worst team? I don't know about you, but I thought it's probably going to be Newcastle coming into the season. Yeah. And wait, suddenly they're fighting teams who should be competing in the top end of the six. If that's our worst team, this is going to be a bloody close season, you know? Mm-hmm. And who knows how it plays out and how it goes mentally. But when you have, I guess, that closeness between who's perceived as a weaker side, it shows you if they're going to be in the pack, there's going to be a lot of head-turning results which is going to keep all those positions from the top few to the bottom few interesting throughout the league because it's a cliche, but everyone can beat anyone on their day. And we've seen this so far already with extreme results. And then conversely, like who's who's the best team? There mm-hmm. seems to be some there seems to be some wanderers buzz after they've beaten Perth, but I, I, we'll I'm not there yet. I'm just we'll not stop, there yet. Man. We'll stop here for a second. Assume it's the Wanderers. Well, they drew with who I said maybe the worst team yeah. was last week, and the worst team they should have lost. Yeah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> you know, it's it just shows you the closeness of this league and how important it is to turn up on your day and take your opponents seriously. Because as we mentioned, they are going to come and play football and try and beat you at their game. So it, it makes for very interesting narratives and a very interesting. Home and away season. Last point on this. I think that victory Wellington game on Friday was an interesting peek into this for me too, because you know, you think you think historically when Wellington go to victory, they're playing a defensive game probably like that. But really it's like, oh look, if we can get a point, you know, be happy, you know, be happy with it. Whereas this kind of goes back to Antonis's point earlier about teams knowing what they are. Wellington went there and they said like we're gonna play this way, but we actually feel like if we if we execute, like we'll be fine. We'll get a point. We're not clinging on here. Like we're we know we can get a point here, which I just think is completely different to maybe a few years ago. I think I think a lot more teams feel like they can, on any given day, what Antonis is really saying, on any given day, go to, you know, a Melbourne victory, a Sydney FC, a Melbourne City, and and you know, um, yeah, get the points. The other thing. Yeah. 
was yeah, that MacArthur? Like yeah. yeah, you go, yeah. you go. Well, no, I was just going to add onto that. Yeah, that MacArthur Melbourne City game because what was the record like? MacArthur against Melbourne City, they something they haven't won. Yeah, they haven't won. Um, and yet they're three one up, and you're surprised, but you're also kind of thinking like, well, you know, they yeah, like they've kind of been the better team. And, you know, they kind of deserve their lead. And for me as well, I think the A-League is becoming a bit more tactical. It's been more of a chess match. So, you know, you have to be really sure about what you are and what you're doing. And if you're not, you're going to get found out. And going back to that Adelaide game was an interesting peek into that too because I don't think Calvi had a plan B really kind of playing out from the back and that got exposed. So it's going to be interesting. I think coaches this year are really going to have to – we've got to adapt during the game, you know, do something different. I'm not saying that they don't at all now. Of course not. Of course, there's always little changes, but I think it's going to be a bit more drastic and it's going to have to be a bit more flexibility. Yeah, just quickly with those two examples that you gave, in the past, we've seen Wellington sides and other sides that go to victory and they sit back out of fear. They didn't sit back because of fear. Like you said, they sat back because it's a plan they had yeah. And like, like you said, if we execute this well, we are backing ourselves and our talent. Same with MacArthur. They know they're not going to have the ball against Melbourne City. We'll allow you to have the ball, but you turn it over. We are going to hit you hard on the counter. And it's exactly how they played. And it's exactly how they became. They went 3-1 up. You know, so it's not these sides being outplayed per se. It's they are playing a specific way because they know this is us. And I'll talk about this in MacArthur for a bit. They've got an identity. They know this is how we're going to play because you play that way. Not we're going to sit back and respect you and because you're the better team. Because you play that way, this is how we're going to approach you. And this is how we're going to hurt you and the way you play. So again, it's not out of fear. It's out of we are backing our game to stand up against yours. And it's a good place to be. I'll tell you that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Western United. Um a team, there was a point, I, I'm gonna, I've got to be brutally honest, there was a point in this Newcastle game on Saturday where the idea of having three managers leave their clubs before round 10 actually crossed my mind. And I'm not, I don't, I, I, and I turn to shake his head because I don't see it. I, I think that they like the security with John Aloisi, so I don't, I don't see it. I'm not suggesting it at all. It's just more, it just had that feeling. You know, like when you can kind of feel like maybe a manager's kind of effect on a team is kind of coming towards its end potentially. And I don't know whether it was, it just seemed like there was a lot of frustration, which, you know, is understandable, of course, you know, if they weren't home to Newcastle, who many would expect them to beat, um, which is not begrudging Newcastle. I think they're playing some really good stuff at the moment. Um, but there just seemed to be that feeling of, can John Aloisi actually get the most out of this talent? Because, I mean... And Jake, feel free to talk about this a bit more. I mean, look at Weston's team on on Saturday, and you've got Pena, who's was actually not too bad in the game at all. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some issues I think there is with him at the moment, and maybe the way John Alwis is using him at the, at the moment. But Pena, Noah Botic, Lockie Wales can obviously you know contribute in the A League. Ricky Danzaki's you know shown before, and then even. Fullback-wise, Josh Risden and Ben Garucci, I think Garucci actually had a pretty decent game. Um, but, you know, they can. we know that they can provide outlets going forward. So my point is, anyway, that's more than enough there at home to Newcastle to get to get the job done and get the points. Um, but for whatever reason, they are just creating so little at the moment. Um, and they can't 
get the ball into their front players. Noah Botic barely touched the ball in this game, like barely. Um, and actually the game before, of course, that was MacArthur last week um, in round three. I don't really think he had much of the ball either or saw much of it. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go off kind of what you guys say. But, but Jack, why don't you start off? What, what, what are you seeing with Western? What, what are some of the issues? I think it's, it's something we've sort of talked about with some of the other coaches where it's just a lack of adaptivity to sort of change over time. We've seen Aloisi sort of play this very rigid system for the past, what, three seasons now. Um, yes, we've seen some personnel changes. We've seen, you know, maybe sometimes they go for a 4-2-3-1, sometimes some more of a two-striker formation. But at the end of the day, it's it's very similar in the way they play. Yes, you know, you have the likes of Daniel Pena, sort of a fresh talent there that, you know, even sort of like, uh, you know, I don't know if, if, if we sort of have the same issue there, but my main issue with him is sort of out on that right wing. Yeah, I think it does that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Yeah, yeah it, it, I, I think it's pretty clear to see. Like, he's, you know, if, if you just watched him at Newcastle Jets, he'd play more centrally and he'd have just this free role to just do whatever the hell he wants because he's just Daniel Pena. You know what I mean? Mm. Here, it's, yeah, if you look at, for example, his, his touch map, it's all very fixated, very wide on that right wing. And it's essentially relying on him Cut on his left foot, put a ball in. At the end of the day, it's for a player of his talent, someone that can get you know in and around the box. If you've seen the goals he's scored, he really thrives around that being in and around the box, those flicks, touches, finishes. It, it, it feels like he's not getting the most out of him there personally. So maybe like that, and that's a pretty easy fix, I'd say. You know, it's sort of change to a four to three one there, putting him as a number ten. Bang. You know, I, I I think already there you have your best player centrally involved. So I I, I think it's you changing. Maybe the way you think about the game, you know, like, you know, will we see this from Alusi? I don't know. But again, I would say as well, like, they have been slightly unlucky, I'd say, with some results. Like, so it's not necessarily time to, you know, really panic there. But yeah, it, it, it has been concerning. Like, not scoring a single goal in the past three games, the quality they have, yeah, it, it is it is a bit worrying. But yeah, I, I highly doubt we're going to see, you know, the West United board, you know, sack John Alusi. No, no. No, no. Yeah. I think it goes back to the point that Christian made about coaches having to evolve themselves mm. because even in the championship winning year, you, yeah, you, we remember the defense and how talented the defense was and how it wouldn't let anything go past them. But you forget all the individual brilliance of Priovic up front to receive those balls for his own goals too, but to play his teammates into the game. And it's something this team doesn't have. It doesn't have a Priovic, and it's hard to get a Priovic. And again, someone like Pena, as you said, does not belong out wide. He needs to be central. But even in a championship-winning team, you didn't have a player like that, a free role like that, a 10 or like a creative role, which I think is where Pena thrives. And Aloisi, like, like you mentioned, I think he'd be a lot better off just allowing him to roam, allowing some flexibility to the player to express himself and then seeing what he does, especially the last couple of weeks, I've written it down over here, last week 0.63 XG, mm. this week 0.4. It's grim. You know, it's not great. I mean, it's, it's, combined, it's combined one XG over two games. Like, yeah. and, and, against, and again, who did you play? You played MacArthur and Newcastle who are in that pack, arguably in the lower halves of that pack, you can argue. That we talked about. So there are teams that you should be, I don't know about winning, but definitely creating. For sure. Look, I, I, honestly, I'd even go as far to say that if you've got a Johnny Warren medalist contender in your team, 
in an attacking area, you should be creating chances every game. Like I, and I know there'll be some exceptions. Like, okay, maybe if you go to a Tony Popovich Melbourne victory, that's a little bit more difficult. That can be rugged. I understand that. But the out wide thing is just bizarre. Like, I, I, I understood. So my, if I'm empathizing what he's looking at, my, my theory would be that he feels this 4-4-2 served them so well for so long, you know, in terms of with the championship and things. So he doesn't want to deviate too much away from that base formation. So now he's trying to plug players into the system. For me, I think you're not a Premier League club. You can't go and buy players to fit your system like every single, you know, the A-League's different. You kind of, at the end of the day, sometimes you're just left with, listen, these are the new recycle players that are coming into your club this year you kind of have to change to that because that's just reality of the salary cap. And I don't think John Aloisi right now is doing that. I think he's trying to shoehorn some players into a system maybe that he had from before, which worked, but now it's different. I So Jake said 4-2-3-1. I'd actually go even further. And look, I'm always with the view of like being super progressive and being a bit more adventurous with your style. I'd play more of a 4-3-3 Four one four one sort of thing, and actually have Steve Lustker at the base, and maybe push Angus Thurgate higher, and actually have Angus Thurgate affecting the game a little bit higher because I actually think he does his work better there as opposed to deeper. It was actually astonishing in that game. Stephen Lustker and Angus Thurgate actually barely got their foot on the ball. I felt either when when Western built up. Really, it was Kane Vidmar and Tamaki Imai kind of just having comfortable possession. Newcastle, Newcastle, who probably so far have kind of changed between pressing high and trying to be a bit more adventurous and actually being a bit more disciplined. Rob Stanton's kind of seemingly trying to get a bit of a balance there. And Western just, they didn't kind of know how to break that first line of pressure. Um, and then really in the second half, Pena had to start dropping deeper, like he's dropping into his own half to get on the ball. And then the other thing was Risden. I mean, Listen, like, I know he's not the same player he was when he was in the Socceroos, but my goodness, that guy, like, he's had a complete drop-off. Like, complete drop-off. Like, I really couldn't believe what I was watching on, on Saturday. Like, is this the same guy? Honestly, it was, it was very, very strange to see the decline that he's had at the moment. And that's, like, another point about the championship winning team, how influential those fullbacks were and how big in that style they were. And like you said, it's not something we've seen. And I don't know... As a team, how much have been affected by that five nil as well? Because it does shock you. And then you know, yeah, I feel like again we saw this with. I'm going to go to the women's side with Adelaide United women last year. When you are all right defensively, but then you can't score, mm. and then you leak a goal here, you leak a goal there, but you can't score and you keep losing. Mm. It's very dangerous continuing on that streak because then it affects you mentally. And then that one goal becomes two goals. And then you're still not scoring. And suddenly you've lost way too many in a row and the season just escapes you. So I do think it's time. I know it's probably not his thing changing early or that progressively. But I think especially even if you don't want to go fully change the system, just allowing someone like Pena the ability to express himself, to say, all right, this is your space to operate here centrally. Get on the ball, get him the ball, do what you believe and we'll go from there, just as a start. Because, yeah, you can't be 
I think they, what's more demoralizing, the 5 0 or losing two games like they've just done the last couple of weeks, 1 0 or creating barely anything. Mm. Mm. And, you know, I don't think it's a new problem either. I mean, last year, you know, they only scored 34 goals. And I know last year was a weird one for West, and it felt like a bit of a write off because there just seemed like there were some issues with, you know, Lacroix seemed like didn't want to be there, which we now know is obviously true because these guys have left. Prijevic, you know, so it seemed like they'd kind of down tools a little bit, so understandable, but what what kind of is strange to me is that when you think of John Aloisi's Brisbane Raw teams, like, they were very front-footed teams, like, they tried to play football, and you look at, like, Ross Aloisi now, you know, like, both of them have kind of seemed to come from that kind of coaching school of thought. Now, he obviously identified with this Western team when he took over that it would be better suited to playing a defensive brand. I feel like he needs to go back to the way he was kind of coaching the st- the style at Brisbane Raw, because I think the team now that he's got is a bit more suited to what he had then. So again, it comes back to that adapt you know adaptability that we're talking about, Antonis. Yeah, and but yeah, yeah, I think it's also a thing of what he inherits as well. You know, when he walked in at Brisbane a few years before he had the Raw Salona yeah. days, even a younger Mike Mulvey when they won it. So it's it was a very attacking culture, philosophy, and you walk into Western United, which Marco Rudan obviously took over, and the foundations were that, a rigid defensive team that would get you on the counter. And I think he just continued with that, and the stars aligned, and it ended up being a pretty special team. But again, it's the evolution of not just the team, the coach as well, to show that, okay, that's what we were, this is what we need to become to succeed right now in this league with this group of players. I think as well, if I was a Western fan, that that one on Saturday would have annoyed me particularly because the substitutions were quite odd. I would I would say that. Um, pretty much all of them were like-for-like changes. And to be honest, like when you're 1-0 down at home and you're not creating anything, you need changes that are going to shake things up, not changes that are just going to be like-for-like. So that was a little bit odd. Um, Jack, here's, here's my other point. Has the uh, creation of the Football Friends uh, podcast led to <laughs> led to the curse of Western United and, uh, and Ben Garuccia? That is a great question. I, I, I did actually listen to the first couple of episodes and, and I remember, yeah, yeah. We so ben, Ben's going to have to explain another defeat on the, on no, the next episode. Stephen Mork as well. They both, both their teams have kind of fallen off since the start of the podcast. Ellie, Ellie, ben, I thought Ben played well against Newcastle. Yeah, Morg's team ended up missing out on the yeah. J2 playoffs as well. So, another great time for the four friends. It, 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 it's, it's a real curse that needs to be investigated in terms of just podcasts and curse. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it, it's unfortunate because he was really big in them up. Yeah, I mean like Jack Jack and, last and week with the original rivalry take and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I don't know but like, yeah, he really picked them up, and I agreed to be fair because like their team on paper looks great. Like, and you think, okay, you know, yeah, he's refreshing the team. It, like, like I think you said before, they brought in yeah a lot of really exciting attacking players. I'm like, okay, maybe we're gonna sort of change it up a little bit this season, go a little bit more for it, you know, especially because their defensive assets aren't amazing, you know. Um, so, but no, they've kind of just kind of stayed to that sort of similar system. And well, you know, like Einstein says, um, oh my god, I forgot to say. <laughs> To be fair, I, I, I've probably gone a bit insane after watching uh, West United play and I've forgotten everything <laughs> now, but yeah. 
So, um, yeah, l- l- let's hope we, we sort of see a bit of innovation, improvement from Aloisi. The, the other thing here is all I'd say is I think for Western, you've got to be careful because there's this optimism coming now with the stadium, right? So there's this kind of promising, I guess, developments off the pitch. You want that to kind of go hand in hand with a team which is, you know, viable and still getting results on the pitch. So, you know, that would be a little bit concerning for me if, if they're going to be, you know, really last year, they were a pretty forgetful team. Um, they, they didn't really make much of an imprint on the competition. It was only really in the last few rounds where they became one of those teams that was suddenly, you know, trying to vie for sixth, right? But really, it was out of nowhere. No one expected it. So I wouldn't, if I was Western United's board or whatever, I wouldn't want two years in a row of kind of nothingness, you know, particularly if they're going out to Tarnit now and playing some games out there and you're trying to now attract the fan base out where your club is supposed to be based, that would be a little bit concerning from my point of view. Again, it's only four rounds and, you know, maybe John Aloisi listens to this podcast and he moves Daniel Pena to centrally as a 10 and uh, and West <laughs> and West I don't think he four needs goals to listen to this week. podcast, but I think he just needs to watch some box office jets from a couple of years back. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'll maybe just call call Arthur Pappas and he might give you um might give you some <laughs> tips on how to how to maximize uh, Daniel Pena's talent. But yeah, it's a, it's a strange team at the moment. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they progress. They've got Adelaide United after the break, which is actually a very very interesting game. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, two teams now Adelaide have got that chip on their shoulder, and Western uh obviously still got a chip on their shoulder with with three straight defeats. Then they've got Wellington, which is going to be a real test of this sort of you know, lack of creation because Wellington, as we know, have have built this identity of being extremely difficult to break down. And then after that, you got the Mariners. So really, you got three games there where I think they can definitely get a couple of wins in for sure. Um, but, you know, maybe the break is good for them too because you've had a heavy defeat followed by two lackluster defeats. You know, you don't want maybe you need that break to make sure things don't spiral out of control, yeah. essentially. Yeah. More to the point as well, that it is a new-look team, and they just need time to gel as well. So, And if they're going to be trying and experimenting new stuff, this is the time to get it down pat and hit an Adelaide with something new that they might not be expecting because that's exactly what happened to Adelaide this week, and we know how it turned out. Uh, Kane Vidmar revenge game against Adelaide. Um, Antonis. Oh, I, I, it's so good seeing him start and very, just, very assured uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and you know you haven't even seen the full of him because honestly, I've seen games of him where he's the best defensive and attacking player on the pitch. He's that good. All right, buddy. Honestly. All right. No, All right, trust buddy. me. Trust me. Where's the United fans? Get excited. All right, buddy. Anyway, that's uh, where, that's where the chance creation is going to come from. <laughs> uh, I just want um. Yeah, just just get some service into Botic as well. You know, let's let's yeah, let let's let's see some Botic goals too. That that that'd be nice. Um, also, you know, just just got my eye on Riku Danzaki and and his you know his kind of contributions. That's all. Just wondering if if we're really getting the same sort of Riku Danzaki that that we had for that what was it one season at Raw? Yeah, well, he wasn't even that Riku Danzaki last World Spell. That's either. right. Yeah. So it's yeah, and some it's of the signing. That- yeah. Some of the players they've let go in like Milanovic, uh, Perez, you start looking, you're like, oh, really? Even Luke Duzel looked all right, I thought, in the second half yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. But yeah, I digress. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Maybe, you know, look at the guys off the bench. 
You got Pasquale, Rami Nazarene, obviously Rukovitsa. Another one, sorry, Theoharis. Theoharis, yep. Um, but listen, Antonis, we're not talking about Sydney FC, okay? Um, <laughs> the I just wonder if he tinkers with this too, because I mean, Rami Nazarene is more vi- more than viable as a starting option for an A League team. You've got as well someone like said Pasquale could offer something different in midfield. But then all- the other one I just mentioned there was Rukovitsa. You know, that's an interesting one where is he gonna is he gonna keep the faith with Botic? Because I think he should for sure. But will he yeah, feel yeah. like you know if like you the more experienced him, option? Yeah, but if, at the end of the day, it for me, doesn't matter who you put there. Exactly. You got to get the service in the area and, and actually start, you know, creating some decent openings. So definitely a team to keep an eye on. Let's, let's leave it at that with, uh, with Western. All right. Let's, uh, take a quick break and, uh, we'll be back with our third deep dive, uh, in a moment. Okay. Now we're going to move on to the other most recent, uh, expansion side. And that is MacArthur. Um, who, have been really interesting for me to watch. I actually watched two games of theirs uh, this week because I watched them in the AFC Cup and then I watched the, the game against Melbourne City today. Um, and I think I think after four rounds, I think a lot of people have been surprised. Um, and I flagged this probably in game two that they had, um, which I'm forgetting off the top of my head who they played. But Western United, was it? No, no, no. That was obviously round three. That was the Mariners. Yeah, of oh, course. Man. That was that game that they had winning in Gosford. Um, so what I realized was, you know, really in the front sort of positions, MacArthur got a lot of quality. Um, and like a lot of quality in the sense that they've got a couple of, obviously in Davia and Jaman, they've got two guys who are quality and we know that and are going to contribute. Then they've got a couple of young guys who, you know, are guys who are competing at, Oli Roo's level, Young Socceroos level, and, uh, you know, guys we would consider in that next generation of talent coming through. So, um, really exciting from that perspective. I think Clayton Lewis has been an excellent addition for them. And I actually, what's interesting, we spoke about Wellington last week, but when I watch Wellington, every time I watch them, I think, oh my God, like if you actually still had Clayton Lewis in this team, my goodness, would that, that would like elevate them to a whole new level. So that's interesting too. And then also, you know, it's great to see someone like uh, Nicolau coming through and he's been really good so far. I mean, he's he's keeping Matt Miller out of the team, which, you know, is no mean feat when Matt Miller is a guy who we know can contribute at this level. Um, and then, you know, Antonis has mentioned before, someone like Ali Ugla off the bench has been really exciting uh, to watch, um, you know, and someone like Jake Holman today, now that would have been probably because of the AFC Cup commitments why he didn't play, but, you know, like there's a bit of competition in that midfield area too. Someone like, you know, uh, Kieran Backus is not starting and we know he's a decent squad player. Probably the only area where they're really weak, I would say, is in the centre-half positions because someone like Matt Yerman doesn't seem to be fit. He wasn't in the squad today. Um, and in Tommy Uzcock and Jonathan Asprey, I think we saw with Asprey today giving away the penalty. And I think you've got really two players who... I don't really know if you're an A-League coach, you'd want that as your starting pairing. You know, if you looked across the league at all the centre-backs, for example, I think they're probably more your backup options. Um, but, and a solid keeper in Philip Curto, really, across the board, it's a pretty solid team. And I think that's what's really kind of eventuated in the first four rounds. Um, and I've been 
at times, like you look at the City game today, when they went 3-1 up, I thought, wow, like I kind of understand like how this team is operating and what they're trying to do. And I think it could really work. Like they could be definitely a top six team. Then I saw them collapse and I thought, okay, this is why that they've probably got a ceiling, right? So they're going to be kind of this up and down team. But I think, um, Jake, I'll start with you. I think it's probably better than what most people were thinking going into the season. I mean, everyone, I, I don't really know why. I never thought this about MacArthur, but everyone seemed to be thinking like like that, you know, they're 10th, 11th, 12th, like they're rubbish, like forget them, right? But I, I don't know. I think they're going to be a bit better than that. Yeah, well, to be fair, I'll, I'll be honest here. I'll raise my hands. I probably was in that camp going to this season. Um, I, said, I think uh, Mile Siovski coming in. Apologize, so apologize so to him. Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you know, not, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Yeah, yeah not, not yet. <laughs> Give him a bit more time. But to be fair, I was very hesitant in sort of the way he came in and what we saw from him. But I, I, like, I, I really think the change was that loss to Campbelltown in the Australia Cup. Since then, I mm. think they had the AFC Cup. Got some really, really good wins then. The confidence has really seemed to sort of come in into that league as well. I thought, yeah, like, um, you know, with some hesitant performances, balancing the AFC Cup with the league, I was like, this could be a recipe for disaster. But I think it's really helped them sort of that Australia Cup, giving them some boost, playing, you know, all across Asia, putting some really, really good performances. I think the likes of Jed Drew, for example, is putting some really good performances in Asia. And I think that's really helped, you know, sort of like, like if you compare the way he played last season versus this season, he's so much more direct. Going mm. at players. Like he definitely this. looks like he's taken a leap. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's been absolutely magnificent. And Rafael Borges Rodriguez, I think getting that sort of starting role, I think, you yeah, know, sort of have someone putting faith Well, that's in. weird. Sorry. Antonis' SA great radar just went through the roof Bang. when you mentioned Rafael Borges <laughs> <SA> Rodriguez. <laughs> you know what? He's been great. He's, he's been so good um, in, in that sort of that role there. So really interesting to see, to be fair. And um, I, I personally, that was where I was probably most hesitant on them. In terms of attacking areas, it's very inexperienced. You know, Ali Algla, Jesper Weber, he's coming through as well. It was like they have a lot of young guys. We haven't maybe seen start, but they've taken it perfectly. You know, Daniel De Silva, for example, in the first game, I think in the AFC Cup, he picked an injury. I'm like, oh, here we go. There's their most experienced you know, sort of player that can play on the wing, gone. But the, the young guys have done very well. And now it's, yeah, like, well, sort of what you touched on, maybe a bit of hesitancy with their, some of their center backs. I think Luscox, all right. You know, he does his job, but Aspro, he's someone that can look really, really good for a while and then just has some lapses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day. And just give away, give away a penalty in, in the 95th like minute. He has a couple good, good couple months. And I'm like, you know what, he's actually not too bad. And then, you know, has 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 a mistake like we saw. Which is probably why he's been at, you know, four or five clubs. Um, exactly. But, you know, with all due respect. The other thing is, I wonder, I'm going to come out of this from a weird angle, but, you know, MacArthur last year, we know they were awful after... You know, winning the Australia Cup and then, you know, they, they seemed to start all right and then it just completely went down the drain from there. But in that last kind of period of the season, they, with Stajowski, and they seemed to kind of transition a little bit to focusing on their young players. And it seems like they're kind of now reaping the rewards a little bit with Jed Drew, with Jay Coleman um, and these guys. Because, I don't know, like, out of all the teams, you look across the board at young players from last year who played and broke out to this year, who have gotten better. MacArthur seemed to have the ones who have actually gotten better and actually taken a leap. We mentioned Jed Drew. I totally agree with what you're saying. He looks like way more confident, way more direct. Like he's going to go at you most times more often than not. He thinks he's got the pace and the beating of defenders, which is great to see. Jake Holman is an exceptional player. Like I actually think he's fantastic. Every time I watch him, he's brilliant. I think 
with him and someone like the VN next to him, you've got two guys. Funnily enough, I was watching the City game today and being infuriated with someone like Terry Antonis playing as an advanced number eight when he just can't do it anyway. Um, and on the flip side, MacArthur have two players now, Holman didn't start today, but they've used it in midweek when they played non-pen at home in that 5 nil. And when they played DeVia and Holman together as two number 10s, you thought, wow, you got two guys there who are comfortable receiving the ball in between the lines. They can play forward. They can be players. They can attack space. That's massive for a team who also has a six behind them in Clayton Lewis, who defensively is really good positionally. And he can essentially be the quarterback for this team in possession and feed the outlets that you want. I mean, good thing about them is with Borges Rodriguez and Drew and Lewis as that six, you're going to get the feed out to them to to essentially get them in 1v1s and get them, you know, turning oppositions around. So um, there's really good signs there. Um, Antonis, we were, we were talking a little bit off air and you said you weren't too convinced maybe about Stachowski's coaching ability yet. Maybe because we haven't had a big enough sample size, but what... What maybe explain that? What what are you maybe thinking in terms of in terms of him? Yeah, look, I think he's done again when he received that job in the manner he received it last year. It was kind of a poison chalice. I think we can all agree on that. I think he's done very well to introduce these young players and back them, which is what he was given the job to do. Let's face it. But I um, I find him a bit in the caveat mold, to be honest with you, that you get. A lot of these young players in and you're backing them. You know who they are and how they play and you've got this great relationship with them. And that goes to you a long way. But again, um, after seeing, I don't know, plan B, would you say? Because I feel again, like Adelaide, they know who they are as a side, very different to Adelaide, very big with counter attacking. And you saw how they got city. But again, I'd like to see a bit more. If you know what I mean, because I do feel like they're a team in that pack that we mentioned, but to escape that pack, you have to have different things available to you to be that top star, which I do think they can be if all the planets align. Because you mentioned someone like Clayton Lewis, and Clayton Lewis allows you to do so many things offensively because he can basically shield that back for himself. So yeah, it's I just feel like they can do a bit more, like Adelaide, but yeah, it's. Especially when you compare it to last year, it's a good place to be. But it's just me nitpicking because there's a lot that I like about MacArthur's attacking players, and I'd like to see that more in play. If you know what I mean. Well, you at least you know, like it seems like someone like Ali Ugla, who um, looks excellent every time he's come off the bench. He's been very exciting. He's you know, like things like as a winger, you know, I always look at. Someone like Tolgay Arslan is absolutely brilliant at this, like ball manipulation, keeping the ball close to your feet and just having such control over what you're going to do. And Ali Ugla, like just very early impressions, has got a real, just very, very close feet and he's just excellent uh, with the ball, um, you know, in 1v1s and, and things like that. But point is, he seems to, Sajowski seems to have this blueprint of every game around the 60th minute, he'll be unleashed. You know, like we're going to bring him into the game. So he seems to be finding little kind of patterns here and there around the team where, yes, you know, this is what we're going to do here. This is what we're going to do there. I think maybe, Antonis, maybe what you're saying is perhaps with a six in Lewis, perhaps with 
the players that they've got, maybe they could be more of a ball-playing team and actually try and dominate possession. My counter to that would be how how well can you play out from the back with someone like Tommy Uzcock, you know, as one of your centre-backs? Because I'll be honest, he is a solid defender and today against City, he made a couple of really good blocks, but he's not the type of guy, I think, at A-League level that you're really going to build out from the back with because that does make you susceptible to to a high press. And, you know, like we mentioned about teams knowing who they are. This is the way he's got them playing. And they're playing well. You know, the players are understanding what they can do and how their coach wants them to play. But it's about maximizing that. And I think that's more of a long-term thing to think about as this team evolves. But going back to what you said earlier about the low external expectation coming into this year. I'll go back to the Adelaide example because I do think it's a similar mold when you bring in a lot of players that not many people know about well externally and you've got that, I guess, ignorance. It, it of, is of, it is similar as well because Tajovsky, hmm. from what I understand, worked with some of these guys too. At yeah, yeah. Level, yeah. That's why I made that comparison uh, before. But, you know, externally, there's not much that's known about some of these players but internally, they're very highly rated. So you think, oh, MacArthur's got no one externally. And mm. then they shock you with how good some of this talent is because a lot of quote-unquote experts in years past have tipped Adelaide for anywhere from 8th to 10th and 11th and the main finals each year. And I really think MacArthur could be something similar if they approach us the right way. But yeah, it's a team that knows who they are and what they want. And you can see how sure they are when they break, when they dispossess an opponent and they counterattack. I wonder if um, someone like Ollie Jones, I've not... Jake, I don't know. Actually, you probably speak more to this. I haven't seen a lot of Ollie Jones, I'll be honest with you, but maybe he's someone who we could see break in a little bit further down the line and, and perhaps be that centre-back who could, you know, provide that ball-playing ability for MacArthur to maybe, you know, dominate possession a bit more in games. Yeah, well, we saw him break out at the end of last season. He yeah. came in for the, the sort of last couple of games. I think he played yeah six or so games, and he looked good. He looked really good. Um, for, I I think he may may play midfield or something like that. Um, in his in his sort of um NPL days, so he sort of has that sort of natural ability on the ball, and we've seen him play there too. Sort of some of his long balls, shorter passing, looks very comfortable on the ball. He's also left footed as well, which I think sort of helps in that sense. Maybe to partner someone like an Uskok, who's maybe not the best passer of the ball. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's someone, I, I think we saw him in the AFC Cup, I think, start. But, yeah, he's been maybe a little bit more limited with Yerman sort of coming in. Aspro sort of came in ahead of him. So, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see him play more as well because, yeah, I think partnered alongside one of these other guys you know, who are much more experienced, he can bring some of that youth and also just a bit of speed too because I think some of the other centre-backs are a bit slow, whereas he's a little bit quicker, younger. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. But, yeah, we maybe haven't seen as much yet. But hopefully, you know, sort of he'll get his chance over the season. Yeah, I think I want to go back to Antonio's point that was interesting where about clubs rating their own players internally a lot higher than what people do externally. And the other thing about this with MacArthur I think is really interesting. Look, I think I mentioned that when we did our first part of this season, um, one of my talking points was about their crowd against Brisbane being shocking and stuff like that. You know, as much as off-field, they've got all sorts of, you know, issues which we could talk about for an hour and, and how they need to do this better and this better. At the end of the day, in the A-League, on the pitch, really, most sides aren't that far away from each other. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing with this MacArthur team is that when you really look at it, and when I went to watch that um, 
that Mariners game in round two because I missed their first game. And I really looked at it and then saw how it played out. I'm like, actually, this team could be very viable and could definitely make fifth or sixth, you know? So I think sometimes I feel in the A-League, a lot of a lot of people kind of get this perception that because a club is maybe a supposed disaster off the pitch, it kind of translates to them. They have to be, you know, they're obviously going to be bad on the pitch, but I don't, it's definitely not a translation, I think, in, in most cases anyway. Of course, you'll have the odd case. I mean, you look at victories, maybe a case last year where clearly whatever was happening off the pitch, I think, affected what was going on on it a little bit. But I think MacArthur are kind of showing how, listen, at the end of the day, if you've got a coach who knows his players and you can find an identity which works and you've got enough quality, well, you can definitely get results and be viable in the league. So, yeah, and, and that's what they're doing at the moment. So I think mm-hmm. I think people people in their preseason opinions are, are being a little bit, you know, made to look a little bit silly, I think, at the moment. Yeah, and I do think I I think it's not just the not rating them as much as the people inside the club, it's just not knowing about them. Yeah. I think yeah. you find very often and coaches like Viet and um Sajowski, who in a league that's still evolving tactically, those relationships and that understanding with the players goes a long way in picking results and keeping that group content as well with what you do. So it can't be understated because we've seen it work. We've seen it work with Monty. We've seen it work with Veard. We're seeing it now with Sochowski. So it works. You know, having someone that knows that landscape and knows the individuals works. It might not be from the outside. It might not get any attention until you actually see it happen, but it, it works. Their next month or so is going to be quite interesting. So they've got victory at home next after the break. Then the AFC Cup is obviously still going on amongst all of this. And they've got to, luckily, so they've got their next AFC Cup games at home against uh, Shan United. Um, and then they are at home again to Adelaide. Um, and again, we're not too sure what Adelaide team we're going to kind of see there. Then it's a trip to Sydney. Then it's a way to, what is it? Dynamic Herb? <laughs> is that, uh... I love that club. <laughs> and then, so... Interestingly, they got to travel there, then they got to come back and play that, you know, frustrating Wellington team at home. So, and then there's travel again with going to Perth. So, you know, the travel thing is going to be really interesting to see how they manage it because it's not the it's not the deepest squad, that's for sure. In terms of squad, it's a strong, I think, starting eleven in terms of it can definitely get results. But the point is, is like you look at. When they lost, now some people listen to this will go, well, I mean, they lost to, you know, Non Pen in, in Cambodia. You know, for me, I don't know, I look at that result and think that's kind of a little bit of maybe fatigue and, you know, being in Cambodia because at the end of the day, they just thrashed them 5 0 at home in that next game. But you look at that game and Sajowski played, Ali Ugla, Lockie Rose started up front, Ollie Jones played. Um, at left back, we also saw Isaac Horvath play. So, Heavily rotated. My point is, you get a couple of injuries. You are dealing with all this travel. Some of these real untested kind of young players, which they're bringing you through, are really going to have to be trusted in some big moments potentially in a couple months. So that's where, Antonis, back to your point, I think Sajowski's coaching is going to really come into play there uh, with this team. And also, we're going to see how well the squad, I guess, can adapt to to his ideas because it seems like the starting 11 knows what they are and knows what they're doing 
But will it be a straight swap of if you take Jedru out and put Ali Ugly in for a couple of games? No problem. He'll just pick it up from there and he knows how to perform that role. In some cases, it probably will be fine. But in other cases, you're probably, you know, going to be going into some uncharted territory with a couple of players. So it will be interesting to see how, how that kind of evolves um, too. Where, if I had to ask both of you, you know, after seeing the first four weeks, it's probably still way too early, but can you definitely see MacArthur being a finals team? They're part of that pack, you know, so... Explain, explain, all... just just, just so people listening are aware, what's this pack that you talk about? I can just throw a big blanket over the majority of the league and say the pack. You know, the pack is about, I don't know, like... Na- name the teams, name the teams, name the teams. If we look at the table now, let me pick the table up right now and see, I'll tell you who would traditionally be part of it because I wouldn't have Melbourne City in the pack usually. The pack, be, sponsored by Antonis Pagano. Yeah, they'd be right at the top, but right yeah. now the part of the pack, but I don't know, you know, it looks like... Wait, all right, all right. Well, uh, if, if, again, right yeah. now, if I had to pick two teams not to be part of the pack, if I had to back two teams to be above and beyond, and above and beyond, I mean like three plus games so, away. All right, all right. Let's, let's, the pack is what Antonis is explaining. Basic finals. Yeah, the pack that is trying to contest for a final spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, last year, I would have found everyone in the pack except uh, with the season finishing, except MacArthur. They wouldn't be in the pack because they were too far gone. Mm. And then teams like Melbourne City, Wanderers, Adelaide Mariners wouldn't be in the pack because they were too far away from missing out on finals. So, for me, everyone by far five sides was in the pack last year. And then yeah. you had the Western United who were in and out of it. This year I reckon this pack's much bigger. And when I mentioned We've got a bigger pack, box this year. Yeah. When I mentioned the pack, I mention I mean that within a couple of weeks you can go anywhere from near the top of it, near the bottom of it. Mm. And I reckon this is where the majority of the league belongs. So do I think they can finish somewhere like four or fifth in a good year? Absolutely. Do I think it can just fall apart and it can be a ninth or a tenth? Yep. So I reckon they're going to be a happy middle somewhere around mm. there, probably on the edges of the six, maybe in, maybe out. But it's going to be a fun ride because they've got some really exciting players to watch. So, yeah, we'll see. Again, knowing who you are and what you do does give you an advantage that not every coach has. And actually wrote this down. Is this the first time in this club's existence that this club has a defined way of playing that you know you're going to put your TV on and you know what to expect from MacArthur. Because right now, I know what they're going to do. I know how they're going to approach the game. They're not going to have the majority of the ball. They are going to... Hang on a minute. Didn't they play pub football for a little bit? (laughs) Exactly. If you want to characterize it as such, as the former coach did. But what I mentioned, they're not going to have the majority of the ball. They're going to allow you the ball and they're going to hit you hard on the break. And you can see it. You know, there are moments that I, even today I was watching. I'm like, yep, that's MacArthur 2023, 24. You know, and that's a good place to be. So that all those work in their favors. It just depends how it plays out. There are so many moving variables and factors. But yeah, long live the pack. <laughs> Jake, are you, are you now up to speed with the pack? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well to be fair, I honestly might take some of this there. Like, I, like, like, I, like, I do think there kind of is. I think he's spot on. Are you gonna wait? Are you gonna buy the copyright of the pack? I, I'm, 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 I'm hopping on the the pack train here. To be honest, <laughs> like, like, I think there's so many teams in that sort of yeah, like that range where it's like we need to get on Australia Post to sponsor it. But yeah, there's so many teams where you can you can easily see them finishing top six, but at the same time you can sort of see them slipping out. I think yeah, them Brisbane Roar. This goes into the conversation we had yeah uh, earlier. Yeah, it, it, it's just yeah, there's just so many teams in this sort of the, the, yeah the pack. I guess yeah, well, simple as that. But you see, <laughs> like even even I'm going to use MacArthur again from last year. They win the Australia Cup final. You're like, oh, there's a bit about them. They could genuinely be a top six side, mm. and then they just die. You know, for lack of a better word, and they just were shocking. It falls apart, and that will happen. You know, it's a battle of attrition, and whoever survives gets to play in a silly little tournament we have at the end of the year. So uh, we'll see who manages to break into that top six. But yeah, it's just one of those things that anyone could be anyone any given day. Adelaide can come and smash you six nil, or you can come and smash them five one. It doesn't matter. Everything goes. I, 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 I'd say overall with MacArthur, there's too much upside for them to be bottom dwellers. And at the same time, I feel like there's too many, yeah, sort of cracks in there, mm. you know, especially with their calendar. That's something that's going to be really, really big mm. later on the season. Um, to yeah, be like, yeah, no, nah, they're going to be finishing right at the top. I think, yeah, yeah, a lot of moving parts for sure. And look, if I'm a MacArthur fan, you know, I'm getting abuse from elsewhere about. You know, cowbells and crowds and all this sort of stuff. At the end of the day, if I've got a solid team that's going to be competing for the finals, coach, there's like stability with the coach, which is definitely not the case 12 months ago. You know, I've got to be happy with that and take that. So, um, and yeah, and, that, and that's very possible is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about the fans and they haven't always been the most watchable side, but I'll definitely be getting around that side. You mm. know, they are a very, there's some, Watch very watchable players in that team that, you know, that you're like, I want to go and watch a Rafa. I want to go watch a Davia do what he does best. Um, a Holman, a Drew. Definitely should have made sure you watched Davia today. My goodness. Yeah. It's just, it's again, it's a watchable team and one that we're going to have a bit of fun with this year because again, they can just give you anything on any given day. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some of the other games we didn't cover from from the weekend and maybe just a couple of teams. So, Antonis, what about... Uh, actually, not Jack. I'll start with you. Victory Phoenix on uh, Friday because you touched on it at the top. But um, just, uh, yeah, this this victory team and their inability to uh, to score goals. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was sort of very similar to what we've seen from both Victory and Wellington where Victory, so at least early on, sort of held a lot of the possession playing around them, the Wellington, sort of very compact, very, very organized. Finn Sermon, Alex Paulson, just the, at this point, just the usual suspects, brilliant performances again, just looks so good. I really, really like... like uh, Alex Paulson's confidence is like through the roof at the moment. It's insane. I, I've, I've never blame. really seen a young keeper like him just, just be so just like, I'm like him, he didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's saying, I'm him this season, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like he didn't... There were no tough saves that he had to really make on on uh, Friday for all of Victory's you know dominance. They actually really didn't test him that much, but even the kind of oh you know he's going to have to do a little bit of work here. Like he made it look easy, you know. Um, I think the main yeah. things is the cross claiming, as I don't think he's the tallest. I think he's just around six foot. But as a young goalkeeper with that size, he, he's mm. very very good. His cross claiming and especially his 
um, composure on the ball when people are just sprinting at him. Yeah. He just, he just doesn't look panicked at all. I've never seen anything like it. Like, someone's so young, just be like, nah, nah I've, I'm, I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing here. I'm safe. Been really, really good. Um, and then, yeah, again, they just sort of know when to hit on the counter attack with Krayev, Costa Barbarusis, um, Zavada, that sort of front free there. Listen, they um, really nice. Zavada, best striker in the league for you? He is the best striker in the league. Michael, I'm, I'm, sorry, can we just, <laughs> Michael's a pony's reaction when, when Oscar Zavada goes on the, I am the best striker in the league. And Michael's pony's like, oh, oh, okay, great. It's Latin like. Just didn't know what to say. Uh, I, I really like to see someone just yeah, a bit of personality. They're just kind of like, no, I'm, I'm the best player in the league. Like, you know, I rate that. And to be fair, I, I don't think he's necessarily wrong, but I, I, I don't think he's any, like I'd say it's probably him, Fornaroli, McLaren. I don't know if you want to put McLaren and Barella. They've been a bit iffy, but like on their day, they're very good. But On yeah. the Urich? Who? The, oh, the, <laughs> He's, he's referencing Carl Vitt, calling Tommy Urich the best nine in the country. Unbelievable. You got like a you got like a folder saved in your head of like <laughs> all these different. That comments. was a never going theme for a while. I enjoyed that. Also, just quickly, anyone see John Carlo Italiano's fit on Friday night? I love that. It's you know who it reminds me of. It's casual it fit. Me, it reminds me a bit of what was his name. Um, Marcus Babel that rocked up with a new trendy outfit every week. You understand the fashion a bit? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. What about uh, speaking of Marcus Babel? What about the Wanderers? Uh, Two 0 against Perth, uh, Antonis. What did uh, did you actually know? Because oh, well, did I'm you catch Did you catch any of this? I did not watch the big part. Of, but I'll tell you what I watched. Both those goals. How often is it that you see? Two, uh, I know the second was hilarious, but I'm talking about just smashing finishes from both your fullbacks. Mm. They have to be like some of the most satisfying goals when you see like a fullback just leather the ball. Well, what the hell? Sorry, what the hell is this Jack Clisby remontada that's happening this year? <laughs> I don't know, but that was a very satisfying goal. Like like and seven seven just, clubs later. <laughs> I just wish. <laughs> that um, Russell goal had hit the back of the net because that deserved it. <laughs> but instead, <laughs> it's so weird when you watch it back because Brett, it's like, why does Brella have to be there? Like, just be anywhere no, along the funny else along thing the line. though is if he was past the line and he touched him and he went in, they would have been ruled up for offside. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect to stay behind the line and cop it. <laughs> but no, seriously, just just one second on Clisby because he was unbelievable in that Western game, and then he scores this volley. Like I don't know, what, is, is is this? Are we missing this with the recycled players? That actually, when you go back to the second stint at a club, then suddenly it clicks. Are we are we are we missing that? I I I I, 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 I like to be fair. I would say at the Mariners, I actually thought he was pretty good. Not gonna lie, yeah. like like under the statute, right? He was alright. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was starting to sort of click there. Then he went to Perth. It was just Perth. To be fair, was pretty shambolic at that period. But I feel like, I don't know, I feel like he's, he's a seasoned veteran now. He's just a bit of a smarter player. But to be fair, I don't know where some of the fucking cooking at the moment. What the hell? His, his deliveries have been crazy, like, as well. As Wanderer's, well as Wanderer's narratives I didn't expect. Jack Clisby cooking. Like, but again, though, you know, like, recycling, quote-unquote, isn't the worst thing. It's only if you just do it because, oh, there's an extra body, let's bring him in. If you know the guy, you know the player, and you want to bring him in to do something specific, no problem, but yeah, 
if you see someone on the eighth club, you're like, oh, let's add him here to get his griddle stamp here as well. Uh, then you've got a bit of an issue. Get his Liam Reddy stamp. Um, all right. Uh, what about, uh, well, the game we saw today as well, the other game was Mariners Raw. Um, I'm, I'm just real quick. What on earth is Harry still doing? Like, just so, so dumb. Um, you know, you got the advantage and you just dive in for a tackle like that was just bizarre. Um, Tom Waddingham, who, um, I'm still working on the name to, uh, as a play on Erling Haaland's name, uh, to kind of get it right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it, um, because it sounds weird, but he, his, his finishing ability is excellent. And we saw that, uh, with the goal today. Um, Florian Berenguer scoring again. Jake, Antonis, any other of you, uh, feel free to give your thoughts on, uh, on that, uh, interesting game that we saw. That's for sure. Yeah, just a bit of, just a fun game, wasn't it? You know, he had a bit of everything in there. I think the commentator mentioned in the end when Nathan Paul nearly scored no goal, that's the only thing missing from this game, and no goal. Um, bit of everything in that yeah, game. By the way, and sorry, again, re- real quick. Jake's obviously got that Nathan Paul stock and, uh, there was, I, I was, I was thinking about buying, buying some stock after, after that game today. Nathan Paul looked good. Yeah, I, 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 I'd say he, he had his moments where maybe it was a little bit dodgier. For example, that own goal, like he, mm. he's been a little bit maybe clumsy. It was more the physicality moment. for me. I thought yeah. he really imposed himself. And yeah. speed. It was great. Yeah, and speed. speed. Yeah. But you know, it's again Brisbane. You can see them improving and holding on to a result in a tough way, and not just trying to play their way to a bigger win. They were realistic. And they hold on to it. And again, Mariners, I've said it before, they're not actually playing too badly. Mm. It's just the gods and the planets just do not want them to win the Naily game right now. And we, and we should, yeah. And we should remember the AFC Cup commitments, obviously, with yeah, them as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was, and I think, we were talking I during think, the game and I said, like, Marco Tilio yeah. looked done in that game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so. I can, you can make an argument that if they don't have to go to Bali and arrive, back Friday morning, they might actually end up going to win this. But who knows? You can't just guess these things. But again, new coach, new look team, I think they're really, really going to enjoy this 10 or whatever day break it is, really get some things down packed. And I think we're going to see a refreshed Mariners team mentally, at least after this international break. Because, yeah, yeah, I don't think they've been as bad as... Four losses. No, no, no I, I, yeah, I'd agree. And I thought, <clears throat> I thought Alu Kuo, uh looked probably probably the best game that I've seen from him so far um, today. Really well taken goal as well. Real quick on Brisbane, just going off Antonis's point. Really solid defensive effort to see it out. The goal they conceded was kind of on the similar theme to Wellington, where they just, with the way Ross is trying to set them up, when they press, if they don't get it right. They're going to leak goals. Like it's, it's as simple as that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that evolves and how he, how he kind of, um, yeah, how he adapts to that because, yeah, they're just, it's very risk reward at the moment with them defensively. So, uh, we'll see how that, uh, plays out. All right. Big questions for round five. All right. Uh, Antonis, kick us off. Okay. My question is a couple of teams desperately need it. But who benefits the most from the international break? Good question. Mariners? Yeah, I'd say Mariners. Yeah, uh, Mariners. yeah I, I'd say Maybe the like Mariners. A Western United as or well. Yeah. And I'm trying to think who else is there. You know, well, Melbourne City? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking the teams that especially play, yeah, the Asian Champions League or Asian yeah. Cup as well. I think yeah. they definitely need a break. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, and again, there's a couple of others like, like Adelaide. It's a good time to take stock for Adelaide, especially after that shocking loss. But I do think um, Western and Mariners probably need this the most with the amount of change that's gone on with their lineups, but also coaching wise. Plus the start of the season, I think both teams will be very, very glad. And I think one team that may not be very glad may be um, Sydney FC after you yeah. find your goals. But I reckon Talley may be, be grateful for it to just ensure his ideas completely get through before the next game. Yeah, well, I would say, I would say Western as well. I think the thing about the Mariners is you could say, they need the break because they still need some time. But really, today I thought I thought they were close today. Like I, uh, you could just feel it in the game. So maybe you could say maybe if they played next week, then that would be the game where they get the first one on the board and then they go from there. So you know, it's uh, it's yeah, it's interesting one. But yeah, I think Western just going off our discussion before really need it. Um, because had they gone into next week, you're still in that negative mindset. You lose again, then things can get you know ugly. So um, yeah, I think Western. And Tony's still saying Western. Yeah. And Jake, you said... I reckon Mariners, but... Mariners, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I respect them with the Western call. I respect them. No, listen, listen. Stick by right, your We answer. don't have to post this in the bank or anything. <laughs> You're allowed to <laughs> say something different. You could, you could just get like wild and be like, uh, no, the Wanderers need it. <laughs> and and make a case. But um, all right. What, what about your question, Jake? Yeah, uh, mine probably yeah, piggybacks nicely off sort of what we last, last talked about in... What does Mark Jackson do to turn this around? As do we sort of stick with that sort of Stajic, um, Monty sort of way of philosophy, the 4-4-2, is sort of continue that into the season? Mm. Do we see him sort of continue this? Or do we, like, we've kind of talked about this before, but I think it's, yeah. just, it's really potent because. Yeah, we had our Mariners week. discussion a couple of weeks ago. It's something to watch because he is, he is, he's got a history of like adapting formation wise. So it's something to keep an eye on. I don't know. I like you could answer that question with a question of does it does it really need much changing as of right now, you know? And and I think for me, I'd be encouraged by Kowal today and the signs of life that I saw in him because after the Perth game and stuff, there was like a little bit of what's going on with this guy, you know. Uh, this clearly isn't the same player that we had, you know, under Stadjic two years ago or whatever it was. So there's that, and then. The other thing was, remember, Angel Torres, of course, was suspended for today's game. So I'd be really interested to see, like with Theo Harris and Torres, you know, Theo Harris played on the right today. You imagine he's going to go back to the left when Torres comes back in. So there's that. Um, but the midfield setup is interesting because you've still got that 4-4-2 like you speak about. And I don't know if there's enough sort of like... Do we see Tulio drop a little bit deeper, a bit more? Because we've seen him kind of play more like an out now ten this year, has been pointed out, and maybe we'll see him kind of be a bit more involved, kind of when the Mariners have the ball and and building out potentially because they need maybe an extra outlet, um, uh, and maybe to help create an overload in midfield and and these sorts of things. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that can be done. Anyway, uh, I... so it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Personally, I just I don't think it's time. Yeah. yeah, it's not like a Western United situation where like 
okay, whatever's happening here just doesn't work right now. Yeah. I think it's been down more to just a bit of them being the own worst enemies, you know, at the back, at the front, not taking chances. You know, I think... Mark I do think Jackson, Caltech has been as, as good as he's ever... Like, he, he did yeah, fantastic. I don't know. I he, think <laughs> Mark Jackson needs to just continue, I guess, working through this stuff in the international break or go find a witch doctor the Socceroos used to break that World Cup curse <laughs> because I think he needs a bit of help with yeah, like right you know, now. Yeah, you know, sorry. So, yeah. You know, just, sorry, Mark Jackson, the A-League's for real. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, you're stealing content now, but... <laughs> yeah, I reckon they'll get there. They they'll be fine. It, they just have to keep persevering through that. And if in another month or so it doesn't work for you, then you can start thinking about that. But I think they're they're just about there. But it's just you know when it rains it pours, and it's been pouring for a bit there. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. My question, which we forgot last week, so I'm going to make sure that we uh that we do my question. Uh, is can the Wanderers underline their championship credentials in the Sydney Derby? Because when we come back in round five, we've got the Derby and there's been some Wanderers championship buzz after they beat Perth, but I'm not convinced and I want to see it against this resurgent Sydney now in the Derby because boy, oh boy, is that going to be a game? My word. Uh, um, you know, and yeah, it's interesting because you've now got the Wanderers going into this game probably as a slight favorite still just based on form but it is a derby which is always you know the caveat of well you know any team can win when it's a derby um but yeah this is going to be a fascinating matchup not just because it's a derby but because i think the wanderers may have to force the issue a little bit more against the kind of tally team too so city might be a bit more comfortable absorbing pressure there's a lot of different ways it can play out and for me, the Wanderers, after looking really solid, like if they go in there and win 2 0, something like that, then you kind of go, you know, whoa, all right, they, they, they might be onto something here with, with what they've got going. Right now, I'm not convinced. And for me, if you want the ultimate test to see whether they're ready or not, it has to come in a Sydney Derby. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be interesting. I know with Derby's, it's kind of like a separate thing from the league, you know? Form, logic goes out the window. They kind of live in their own kind of world, these diaries, but they're always interesting. One thing about the diaries last year is we didn't get a home derby win. We didn't get a draw, but mm. every away team won the derby last year, which means Sydney FC still hasn't won a derby at the rebuild Allianz Stadium. And this one's going to be at Allianz Stadium. Calais first home game can be him winning the first, mm. his team's first dive at the new stadium. And wouldn't he love that? So that's motivation enough for yeah. them. And we've seen in the past, for example, in the year Arnold Sydney was going for the golden toilet seat, um, the loss came to the Wanderers, a pretty poor Wanderers side that year. So that's why I'm saying like these games often don't make any sense, but my God, they're fun. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that one plays out. It's going to tell us a bit about both teams, definitely. Yeah, the um, subplots and narratives going into that are going to be going to be and insane. Milos Dinkovic, goal, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, if uh, well, you, <laughs> you say that, but if uh, Milos Dinkovic actually, uh, yeah, starts in the derby, I oh, guess. he doesn't need to start. Yeah. So 
Uh, that's that's going to be interesting. Yeah. He, he could come off the bench. Yeah, there's yeah. that too. Um, but we'll uh, never yeah. forgive him for missing that one on one with Red and the one we attended. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, then you're like, you know, Milanovic um, and Lockie Brook and stuff, you know, can they keep that form going in a massive game like this is is another is another thing to keep an eye out for as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right, boys, uh, let's wrap it up. Make sure you uh, check us out on social media, uh, from PG Football, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, we're on there, uh, LinkedIn, Threads, um, TikTok, we're also on there uh, occasionally uh, posting. Uh, and also, excuse me, uh, also, uh, on Spotify here, um, leave us a review, leave your comments, any opinions, any thoughts on the show, new segments, anything like that. Feel free to let us know and we'll, uh, take it on board and, uh, have a look at what we can do. Uh, boys, anything else to add before we, uh, before we go? Go Socceroos. Go Socceroos. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, it's a good point. We got, uh, Bangladesh coming um, to Melbourne, where where you are, Jake. You uh, you, you hitting up the game? Yes, I'm going. I'm very, this is the first time I've ever watched the Socceroos in person, so I'm actually really excited. No way! Yeah, what? I know, I know, I know. I've I've, I've just ne- it's just never been like in Victoria or Melbourne when I've sort of been there. It's just it just never worked. But finally, but yeah. I don't understand. You get like forty percent of the Socceroos games. Like, how does that not? We we do you think they ever could put a game here in Adelaide? What? No, I I I I I just remember like it'd always be like I've got a picture of me at the last Socceroos game in Adelaide. Played at Adelaide Oval. Not look like this. (laughs) Played at Adelaide Oval. What a gross venue for for football, unless it's packed. Yeah, back when the dinosaurs were around. That's the last time Socceroos came in. (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right. So, so go soccer is, yeah. So they got Bangladesh and then they got, uh, Palestine. So, uh, that'll be interesting. We might actually, uh, we'll see. Actually, we might maybe next week sometime or the end of the week, maybe do something or even after both of the games and do like a little bit of a wrap up, um, on, on this pod since there is obviously no, no A League men. Um, all right. That'll do it for another episode of the front page football podcast. Until next time, it's bye for now.